Good morning. My name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors here on staff at Crestview. Hope you guys had a good holiday season with Christmas and New Year's. I got to spend some time with family and the in-laws. They were tolerable, yeah? Um, uh, today we're going to be uh, opening our Bibles to First uh, Kings chapter 19. That's in the Old Testament. That's towards the beginning there, First Kings 19. If you have your, your, uh, your app, please open it. If you have your Bible, do that as well. But I just want to just start us off uh, this morning with some prayer. Pray with me. Lord, I just want to ask and pray today that you'd open our eyes, that you'd open our hearts. Lord, we came today to meet with you. We got out of bed to come and worship you. Lord, and now that we want you to speak to us, I pray that you'd use your words to change our lives. Lord, it's your name I pray. Amen. To start off, uh, what would be your response? If there, imagine if there's a famine in America. I mean, little food, crops were dying, livestock was dying, and God singled you out and chose to provide for you supernaturally meals every single day. Imagine if there's a drought in the land. Again, people were, were going without water, but God singled you out and took care of you personally by creating a, a brook, a stream of, of clean water to provide for you daily. Imagine if before your eyes, you saw a child that was dead, raised back to life. And the last thing, imagine if you called on God, saying, God, I need you to prove right here, right now, that you're real to myself and to everyone else here. And God provide a sign, a ball of fire from heaven to make his name great. Any of those things ever happened to you guys out there? It hasn't happened to me, but all these miracles actually happened to a guy in the Bible named Elijah. Elijah was a prophet of God, and prophets, you may think of that word like they're, they're, they're telling the future or they're magicians in some way. In reality, all a prophet is is someone who listens to God and speaks to the people, just a spokesperson for God. That's what prophets do. Now, Elijah served at a time under the king Ahab and Jezebel, and, and we'll get there. Leading up to, to chapter 19 is, is chapter 18. That there was something that happened that was very, very notable in Elijah's life. He, was, uh, he pulled everybody together, and they were on Mount Carmel, and there was kind of a showdown for all time. It was the true prophet Elijah against 450 prophets of Baal, false prophets. And Elijah said to the people, said, hey, let's end this right here, right now. Let's see whose God is real. We'll both create altars. We'll both sacrifice bulls. And then the God that answers with fire is the one true God. The people said, oh, we like a good showdown. Let's do it. So he pulled them together. He said, okay, you guys go first. And they called out to the God. They prayed through the, through the morning on into the afternoon, they actually cut themselves saying, you know what, we want you to respond. And sure enough, the false God, the fake God did not respond. So all right, now it's my turn, Elijah said. He said, the altar's not ready yet. Bring some water in, dump it on there. He did that three times. The whole altar was, uh, was saturated, the wood, everything on there. There was a trench around the altar that was filled with water as well. 
And he called on God. And God sent his fire from heaven. Consumed everything. The bull, the wood, the stones, the dirt, the water, everything was gone and proved without a doubt that his God was the one true God. He says, those prophets, those 450 false prophets, put them to death. And that's what happened. This is what led up to these things. Now, I'm just trying to think, what might be my response if I was Elijah and I saw something miraculous like that happen? I don't know about you, but I'd be like walking with a strut in my step. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, God's with me. Let's do this. I would walk down Mount Carmel, high-fiving everybody I saw. I'd be kissing babies, signing autographs. Yeah? Did you see what God just did? But Elijah, that really wasn't his response after this overwhelming defeat of the prophets of Baal. Follow me on uh, verse 1 of chapter 19. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. So who exactly is Ahab and Jezebel? Ahab is the evil king of Israel. Jezebel was his queen and way worse. She was vengeful, vindictive. She hated Elijah with all of her her being. Ahab too. They wanted nothing more than just to end his life and be done with them. So here's the deal. He could have, Jezebel's uh, uh, threat to kill him, to end his life, he he could have, after that huge victory, said something like, um, bring it on. You think... You think you're powerful? My God is more powerful than you. What happened to the prophets of Baal is what's going to happen to you? I dare you, because I have God on my side. But again, that wasn't quite what happened. This next chapter, in verse chapter 19, it, it, it explains, it kind of outlines a huge period of darkness and despair in Elijah's life. It's not the way you'd expect Elijah, the guy we still name babies after thousands of years later, to act. Let's let's read on. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Elisha was at a point in his life where he had had enough. He was afraid. He was alone. You know what? It seemed like even death might offer him relief. And this is kind of where we'll spend the rest of our time this morning, just addressing where is God when we're at our lowest, when we're at our darkest in our lives? When we don't see any way out, where's God in all this? Now, just looking out at the audience, I can guess there's about three groups of people here when it comes to this kind of darkness. Uh, the first one is, you know what? You've never really experienced depression before. The second group of people, you've experienced it, come through on the, on, on the other side right now. And the third group of people, you're in it right now. This is all you can do to get yourself out of bed 
limp through the front doors. And I'm glad you're here. Now, if you're in the first category, praise God. But don't tune me out. There are brothers and sisters in this room that desperately need your ministry, that need your help and your care. If you're in the second group, you know how important this topic is today. You've been there. It's the darkest time in your life, and you've come through, and you know that there's hope on the other side, even though at the time it didn't seem like that. If you're in the third group, my prayer today is just you, you take away a little ounce of hope and a little more strength from God, knowing that he'll get you through this. For me, I feel like I'm coming out of one of my darker times. Oh, well, uh, just a few weeks ago, Devin called me in and said, hey, how are you doing? Well, if I'm being honest, I said, well, I'm kind of weary of doing good. Now, Paul says, don't grow weary of doing good. And I said, I think I'm there. And I'm just struggling to, to, to do the next good thing. Just looking at my life over the last few months, I had several close friends move away. I've uh, lost my mother just a few months ago. She had a lifelong illness, then lost her battle to cancer. And over the, the holidays, it's just a little more empty than usual. But I see that God is, is, is bringing me through this, and God is walking with me through this. But the more I've looked, I found that I, I'm not alone in this. It's just not me that has struggled in the past. Uh, the, the reality is some of this. Statistics show that uh, 15 to 20% of people are going through it right now, going through depression right this second. A large chunk of our audience today. Uh, the, the 10th leading cause of death among adults in, a, in America, suicide. But what should really shake us is for our teens, for ages 10 through 24, it's the second leading cause of death just second to accidental death. This is a big deal in Manhattan, Kansas, right? Two middle schools, a 6A high school, colleges. This is a big deal to us, or it should be. And this has been something that's been affecting believers for all time. I just didn't cherry pick Elijah from the Bible because he had a hard time in his life or, or a dark time. You can look at any of the greats of the faith. There was David, there was Jonah. Uh, Paul, he wrote about his hard time. He was like, you know what, man? I, I, just wanna, I just wanna come to Jesus right now. Job, he had extreme loss. He lost all of his belongings. He lost all of his children. He was sitting in the ditch in a pile of ashes and his wife came up and said, you know what? You probably should just curse God and die. This, this is not just a, a singular event. It just didn't happen then, but it happens now as well. I want to read you an, an excerpt that I found from a blog called Confessions of a Depressed Pastor. I struggle with depression. I know you're not really not supposed to say that as a pastor. But the truth is I've struggled on and off with depression as long as I can remember. The problem is I grew up at a church where we didn't talk about mental health issues like depression. The result was a lot of confusion about what depression is and what it is not. For those of us that found ourselves in painfully dark seasons at times, the rhetoric seems clear. Real Christians are happy. At times, this caused me to question whether my faith was real. 
Am I doing this wrong? Am I defective? Did my salvation not take? Had I somehow missed, missed Jesus along the way? Other times it left me feeling very alone and confused, like a closet leper, too afraid to admit my illness for fear of being cast out. The more I studied this topic, this pastor's feelings of confusion and fear and loneliness found out, you know what, it wasn't just an anomaly. Sadly, some leaders in the Christian uh, world, they, they kind of cast the message that real Christians are happy, but that's not necessarily the case. It's not like when we become Christians, we'll never experience anything difficult ever again. Or maybe we start believing worse lies, like, if I'm dealing with this now, then perhaps I'm not saved. Maybe my faith is broken. Maybe uh, God isn't with me, or maybe he never existed in the first place. I, I want to rewind a little bit. I, I want to read the same passage for you guys again. Look at it. See the level of despair that's in Elijah. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. Any prayers sound like that for you? There can be several different reasons uh, for this level of darkness or depression. Uh, for me, it's, I don't know, it's been an experience loss in my life. Uh, for others, it really may be a physical or chemical affliction. I will tell you, sin can separate us from God and lead to that kind of depression. It separates us every time we sin. If we're in a lifestyle of sin, we may go through and struggle with darkness as well. For Elijah, the cause of his depression seemed to be fear. If you look at that passage, he had a fear of Jezebel. Jezebel made a threat on his life, and he, he was afraid and ran for his life. He was also afraid of death, or maybe even living. He prayed, you know what, God? Just take my life. Better you than someone else. And the last part, he was, I think he had a fear of not matching up to other people. He said, I am no better than my ancestors. That was the last part of his prayer. I, I don't know what's in us that we feel the need to compare ourselves to other people. When we fact, we, all we need to compare ourselves to is Christ. When we focus on fear, we don't see things from God's perspective. Elijah's fear led him into a very dark place, but God was present in the darkness. I'm going to say that one more time. God was present in the darkness. God cared for him and met him where he was at. Verse 5. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank 
Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. I just want to quickly reiterate, depression can be a spiritual issue, but it's not always just a spiritual issue. God cared for for Elijah spiritually, but also if you look at it, he cared for his body as well. He got him some food, got him some rest. And in in the rest of the chapter, starting on verse 10, God took the opportunity to encourage him. So from there, he traveled 40 days from where he was to the base of Mount Horeb. There he spent the night in a cave, and God came to him. He said, Elijah, why are you here? This is 40 days later, and listen to the words that uh, Elijah uses in verse 10, and see if he's not still in that same period of darkness. Elijah said, the Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword, and I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. He was in the same place he was 40 days ago, but God had a plan to meet him where he was at in his darkness. He stood out on the mountain. A mighty wind came by, an earthquake, a torrent of fire, and God didn't reveal himself in those things except for after that came a whisper. And God took the opportunity to give Elijah a purpose and encourage him. He said, Elijah, here's what I need you to do. And by the way, you're not alone. There's 7,000 that have not bent a knee to the false god Baal. They serve only me. You're not alone. In chapter 20, if you were to read on, you'd find out that God sends him his closest friend, the man who will become his disciple and move on to become the prophet of God after Elijah, and that guy's name is Elisha. Great story. God was present during Elijah's darkest times. God met him where he was, cared for him, and he'll do the same for us. I want to conclude my my message with just three steps that we can take if we're in this time in our life. And I'm going to say something very important. I'm not saying these three, three simple steps, everything will be fine again. That's not how it works. These are three steps in the journey. I don't want to minimize how difficult this time can be. If you've not, uh, go ahead and take out your bulletin on the back. There, there are three steps I want you to write down, but there are also kind of ideas of some things you guys can, can do in your own life to meet God where he's at. The first step is this, break the silence. We need to tell someone. And when I say tell someone, I'm not talking about your spouse. That's good but they already know, right? They already know. You need to tell brothers and sisters around you because here's a fact. Satan wants nothing more than to get you by by yourself. If you're struggling with sin or you're struggling with life, he knows he can take you down much easier if you're by yourself. Tell someone. A a great story when this comes to to mind uh, is uh, about Beth and I. We uh, started our, uh, our family young, uh, just a couple months after being married. We were uh, on our way with our first child. And three and a half years of each other, we had our first three sons. 
Needless to say, it was a little uh, lack of sleep and a little bit tense around the Garen house, right? Bethany, she had a, a hard time during that time. Again, lack of sleep and just caring for, for all these young kids and went through a postpartum depression on each of them and at times of, of anger and, and of bitterness. And every, for a few years after that, she'd be talking with young mothers. She said, you know what? When I was in your place, it was really hard. There were times she had rage. She said, I just wanted to throw the baby across the room. I had to put the baby down, go to the other room, and pound on the cabinets for a little bit. And when she, when she said that, I was like, I'm a children's pastor. She's talking about throwing babies and stuff. I'm like, honey, I love you. You can't tell people that. And she said, I love you too. Yes, I can. And when she, when she told that story to these young mothers, you know what the response was? You too? Oh, I'm normal. And they were able to share and help each other. The struggles that we've been through, the struggles that we're going through now, don't keep them to yourself. Share them. God wants to use them to minister to other people. The second step that we need to consider taking is seek care for yourself. And if you know of someone else, care for them as well. Help them find help. We need to find care spiritually. We need to find time that we're connecting with God through prayer, through the word, through worship together. The only way we can make it through extended times of trials is through the strength of God. No other way can we do it. We also need to get people praying for you. On the back of your connection card, there's a place for, for prayer requests. But if our prayer team and our staff can be praying for you, we want to. We want to intercede on your behalf. If you'd like to pray with myself or our prayer team, uh, there's a prayer room right out here. We'd love to do, do, with, do that with you after the uh, service. But don't do it by yourself. One other thing I'd like to recommend, if you're feeling disconnected from God, if you feel like you're just going through a, a, a long time of kind of stagnant with your relationship, I highly recommend you attending Rooted. It starts on January 22nd, but the registration cutoff is the 15th. It will be a time where you experience God in a way that you probably haven't in a long time. We need to care for ourselves physically. We need to get rest. We need to have exercise. We need to eat the right foods. We need to take our medication. If you've been prescribed medication, take it. If you think it doesn't work, go back and try to find something else that does. We need to care for ourselves mentally. We need to find encouragement wherever we can. And if that means going and finding a professional counselor, do that. Uh, at Crestview, we have several uh, counselors that attend our church. And we also have a list of counselors in town that we recommend because they're, they're solid Christian believers that will help you in a biblical manner. If you want that list, on the back of your connection card, just write, you know what, please email me and write down your email address. I'd love to do that for you. And also, we need help relationally. We need to find that care relationally. We need friends. We need to share it with our groups and our circles and not just try to do it by ourselves. The last step in this journey, sorry, the third step is not the last one is replace lies with the truth. 
replace lies with the truth. Now, follow me on this. Everybody kind of knows at least one person in their life. They love to sing, but they rarely get the words right. Yeah? yeah some, some of you guys know exactly who, I, who I'm talking about. Yeah? And if you don't know that person, it's probably you, right? I have a confession to make in front of everybody. I'm that guy. I'm that guy. In our, in our household, it's kind of a, a running joke. I love to sing. I'll just belt something out. And they're like, yeah, that's not it, Dad. I was, we were driving down the road uh, one day and uh, we listened to Toby Mac CD that we own. And, uh, and the name of it was called Speak Life, speaking life into someone else. And as we were going down the road, I'm, it was dark outside and the lights were on. I'm like, street lights, street lights in the deadest, darkest night. And Bethany's like, yeah, you know that speak life, right? I'm like, I do now. <laughs> I do now. And the examples of that are long. But friends, I, sometimes I, I get the feeling that uh, the, the song that we're singing in our head are, are not the right lyrics. They're, they're, they're lies. The wrong lyrics like, I'm not good enough. God can never lo- love me. I can't be forgiven. God isn't present in my life. That's what Satan wants you to believe. But we need to replace those lies with truth. Uh, while you guys walked in today, everybody should have been handed a, a bookmark. With, and on it, it says at the top, Ident- my identity in Christ. Those are the, the, the true lyrics we need to be having in our own life. Those are who we are as believers. Another tool I want to put in your hands if you need more help in this area, uh, it was recommend, recommended to me by, by Tisha Osborne. She's a professional counselor. It's called The Lies We Believe by Chris Thurman. It goes step by step through each of the lies and say, you know what? This is not what you should believe, but here's scripture, and here's how we need to get through that together. I want to end today with, in prayer. Please pray with me. Lord, I just want to thank you for... Uh, a chance to come to you. Lord, I know that there are people here today that they struggle to get out of bed. They wonder about making it through the next step, the next minute, the next day. Lord, I pray that we would all know that you're with us, not just during the good times, but especially the dark ones. Thank you for being present in our life. Amen.